Welcome to Pageant Planet's podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help expand and connect the global pageant community. Visit pageantplanet.com to find pageants, hire coaches, shop for dresses, and more. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another Pageant Planet podcast. This is a podcast for contestants who want to be inspired and discover how to win the crown. Today, Jesse Ledoux McMullen, our queen of coaching, and myself, we're covering the life of Nia Sanchez. If you follow pageants in the USA, then the name Nia Sanchez is likely to ring a bell. She is Miss USA 2015 and was first runner-up to the title of Miss Universe, which is no small feat. Nia was born the day after Valentine's Day in 1990 in Sacramento, California, to a German-Mexican father and a Spanish-European mother. At the age of six, Nia's parents divorced and she began living in a women's shelter with her mother. Nia stayed with her mother for two months while she found a job and got herself on her feet. Two years later, Nia's living situation changed again when she and her brother moved to Manaphy, California with their father. This was also the year that Nia started practicing Taekwondo and because of her dedication and determination, eventually became a fifth degree black belt. This feat would actually earn her the honor of being the first Miss USA to be featured on the cover of Taekwondo Times Magazine. And right off the bat, we're going to hop into a coaching moment and that's find a niche when you're preparing for your pageant. Think of all of the things that you're involved with. And even if something like Taekwondo isn't traditional on the pageant scene, recognize that there's a huge opportunity to launch that in your personal brand with the judges. Uh, We'll talk about it in a couple more times in this podcast. Nia really used that Taekwondo background as a branding point in her onstage question, in her resume, and then throughout her year as Miss USA. It was something that the press could latch onto that was new and different that they hadn't always seen. So even if you think it's something way off the wall that no pageant is interested in, I'm sure you can find a way to integrate it somehow into what makes you unique. Yeah, because, I mean, if it interests you, likely it's going to interest someone else. And those different things um, create a great story. So don't hide from the things that maybe interest you that you think might not be traditional um, pageant material because it might just be a key that unlocks great opportunity in your pageant and post-pageant career. And point on that, too, is pageants are all like that's the age old question, right? How do pageants stay relevant? So pageants don't stay relevant by crowning the same type of person year after year. So if you come in and you're like, hey, I'm a painter and I'm going to do murals and cities or whatever you wanted to do, obviously I'm exaggerating that, that's your that's your hook as a Miss XYZ, Miss Teen XYZ, Mrs. XYZ, and that's your message, immediately it's like, okay, I can see the press loving this girl. She's going to give free services to brighten up underdeveloped areas of cities in in the country or the world, like, yes, let's get behind this. So always be thinking from a marketable perspective. What's a different angle that the news could see? And judges and directors alike are always looking for what's that next hook. Yeah, because like after you're talking with the judges, after the whole interview section, um, it's like, oh, you remember that one girl who had the cool story about fill in the blank? So it really does help make you memorable especially when there's a sea of like, you know, 150 contestants. 
Yeah, and that's the key is being memorable. And a lot of judges actually aren't allowed to talk to each other. But what you just said, Stephen, like I've judged several times and I think about it in my mind afterwards. I think about what I remembered the most. I'm like, wow, that was really cool that she said that. Or, oh my gosh, that story really hit me. It's not the pretty things that you say about being a role model for the most part. It's the emotional driven. It's the action driven steps that stand out. Yeah, and even when judges aren't supposed to really talk to each other about the contestants, they still most of the time do. They just don't share the scores, the the actual scores. But you'll hear, especially like novice judges and people that aren't really familiar with that rule, sometimes like the girl will be walking out of an interview and you'll hear like, oh, such a powerful story or love her. Right. <laughs> they whisper and you're like, not supposed to do that. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, so you'll, you'll have that from time to time. But mm-hmm. uh, Nia, she's always an avid traveler. She visited Kenya when she was 17. And after graduating from Paloma Valley High School in 2008, she worked as a nanny in Europe. In fact, before even becoming Miss Nevada USA, Nia traveled to 12 different countries across the world. So continuing to add to her resume, Nia began to working at Hong Kong Disneyland in 2012 as a princess character actress. That's a bit of a, um, what, is, what do they call it in stories? A, a prelude or a <clears throat> foreshadow, yes. foreshadowing. Yes. With her delicate, beauty, beautiful features, it's no surprise that Nia found herself in this role, as we've seen many pageant girls work with Disney. And actually, we just covered Alyssa Cleansing in a podcast a few weeks ago, and she she's Miss Kansas USA 2019 and a former Miss Kansas Teen USA, and she um, has been all sorts of princesses at Disneyland as well. So you can listen to that podcast if you are into hearing about the contestants that either pre- or post-pageant land have become Princesses, literal princesses. (laughs) Yeah. So Nia first burst onto the pageant scene when she was 13 years old and competed in Miss San, let's see, Jacinta, I'm sorry, Jacinto Valley pageant. Um, Even though she didn't take home the crown, Nia's love for pageantry was born in that moment. And while in high school, Nia vied for the title of Paloma Valley Homecoming Queen, and no surprise here, she won. Um, It's worth noting there that I'm not sure if this was an actual pageant or like a standard vote, like a lot of homecoming contests. I think there might be either or. I'm really not sure about this one. So I don't want to say this is necessarily a pageant, but it is a crown, right? And Nia, if you've met Nia and you have too, Stephen, she's such a kind soul that like I can see if it was a vote, I can see her winning that way. And I can see her winning if it was a pageant too. So um, she's just a golden girl all around. Yeah, I remember when I first met her, she was like, hi, oh my gosh, I feel like I know you. <clears throat> and she was like clear across the, the room. We were at NAM. And we were just, it was just her and I and a big hug, arms open wide, like, how you doing? And I was like, hi. Um, but that was my very first encounter, like no introduction. You know, she's like no pretense, just very down to earth. She was really sweet. Yeah. So she was 19 when she was crowned Miss Citrus Valley USA and qualifying her for the Miss America Latina pageant in Ecuador. And the title of Miss Saturday. Citrus Valley USA also carried Nia to the Miss California USA pageant. And in 2010, she places second runner up against 132 other contestants. Yeah, that's no joke. So Nia would then compete for the title of Miss California USA two more times as Miss Riverside County 2011, Miss Hollywood 2012. And even though a state title wouldn't be hers just yet, Nia's determination to reach the Miss USA stage continued to grow. So one thing every pageant girl will agree with is that 
practice makes perfect, and Nia is the epitome of the saying. So before winning a Miss USA state title, Nia actually represented the U.S. at several international pageants, such as Miss Turismo Latina and Miss Reina Mundial Di Banano. Oh, you've given me a, a few, and gosh, for those of you that know me, know that pronunciations are just tough on me. Yeah, that was Stephen reading the uh, phonetic version of that. Yeah, Jesse was kind enough to spell it out for me because she knows I I jack it up, and I I, I don't know when I'm reading, um, and, and clearly some of this is scripted and some of it's not. For those of you who've been listening for us for some time, because we want to make sure we get our facts right, but when I'm reading, it's like it's something in my mind that, that I just it's hard for me to go through the syllables and everything right away. So I almost have to do it pre preemptively and say it out my mind and whisper it before I can do it. So if I'm reading in flow, it's just something in my mind. It just doesn't really click over like that. But yeah, we all have our skills and challenges, I guess. Oh, for sure. We do. And you have many, Stephen. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> so in, in twenty many, wait, many skills or many challenges? I could go either way. Skills, of course. Oh, of course. Okay. Yes. So in 2014, Nia brought her pageant abilities to the Miss Nevada USA stage. And while representing South Las Vegas, Nia's hard work came to fruition when she was crowned Miss Nevada USA. And her next step would be to compete for the title of Miss USA in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. While at the pageant, Nia used her wardrobe choices to showcase her vibrant personality and to highlight her natural beauty. When many people think of Nia's performance, they think of her final gowns as like, if you haven't seen it, Neo, she wore this slinky red mermaid gown with these stunning couture ruffles at the bottom. The pointed strapless bodice highlighted her figure even more. And when she walked on the stage, you could tell that her gown was made for like a Miss USA. It really was, was stunning. And even though that finals gown, it was absolutely stunning, Nia shined during preliminary competition too. She wore something different, which is uh, not uncommon at Miss USA or Miss Universe. It was a fully embellished yellow mermaid gown. Um, I believe that was a Sherry Hill, her finals gown. I'm 99% sure it was a Michael Costello. And let me tell you though, still this preliminary gown, it was breathtaking against Nia's tan skin. So even though it was a totally different style than her final, gown the color itself because she went from the the pale yellow to a fire engine red it still kind of portrayed some vibrancy so it wasn't like she went from like one one of the spectrum of personality to the other it was still very much in the same vein yeah and after making it to the top six judge rumor willis asked nia about a disturbing rates of sexual assaults happening on college campuses and like what they can do to change this and staying true to herself and throwing in a fun fact, Nia replied that awareness is very important so women can learn how to protect themselves and that she being a fourth degree black belt learned from a young age that you need to be confident and be able to defend yourself. So really cool about how she tied in uh, what her unique passion was on stage and that gave immediate attention to um her skill set to that sub industry of uh, Taekwondo and that, you know, our Miss USA was like somebody that had fourth degree black belt. And she clearly captured the hearts of the judges with that answer. So she was crowned Miss USA on June 8th and made her the first Miss Nevada USA to capture the title. And I think in the intro we, we said, well, I said Miss USA 2015 and I, 
clearly I think I misspoke. I think it was 2014. So she's Miss USA 2014. Um, but yes, bringing on that coaching moment, make your onstage question personal. I think people get so nervous in this moment that they just want to have this overarching answer that relates to everyone. And remember, it's still all about you, whether you think it is or not. So try to use that answer, explain X factor technique that I talk about all the time is there's three steps to a great answer. It's answer the question, explain why, and then your X factor, bring something in that nobody else can say. And that also will help you in the moment. If you get a question you've never heard before, or you don't even know where to start that three steps, like just helps you get over each hurdle one step at a time without having to think too far ahead. You just open your mouth and express yourself and what you practice should just come out when you stop thinking so much about it. So she used that specific, like we talked about earlier in this answer. And it really stood out because it reminded the judges like, Oh yeah, this girl's got a plan or this girl has a marketable factor about her that we don't want to forget about when we go to crown someone. Yeah. And sometimes when you're blazing a new trail or you're getting ready to share something personal, you'll get these thoughts of just, I'm not sure if I should be sharing this or not. Like just kind of that second guessing yourself. And I get it too. But the one thing that I would encourage you to do is trust your instinct and also trust it. Like it's everything's going to work out. And that would just allow you to walk into whatever answer that you're getting ready to give um, with confidence. And really, if you have enough confidence, it could mask a lot of other mistakes that you might be making in the process. So just being confident, just own your answer regardless of what it is and just keep talking because as Jesse always says, you think you die. Yeah, well, I don't say that's a Don Baker special. So rest in peace, Don Baker and... I mean, he left so many great legacies and like he used the phrase open and outward. Like that's how you want to communicate. So true. And then that, if you think you die, those are his two hallmarks that he left on the pageant world. And I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon because I say them all the time and always crediting him for the extraordinary work that he did. Cause he approached pageant interview as a business interview. And he really changed that. He worked with so many Miss America's Miss USA's over the years that like you have to give him credit for for all the work that he did. It's mm, good. So, although pageant fans can all agree that Nia's wins were well deserved, uh, she still faced criticism at the hands of news and media outlets. Shocker! Um, there was the infamous moment when Nia was asked what the capital of Nevada was, and she didn't know the answer. Do you know the answer? Um, no, I don't think so. Oh. Let's see, Las? No, it's not Las Vegas. It's um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. What is it? it it's Carson City. Carson City. Okay. There you yes, go. Yes. That's one that always tripped me up. So I think you always remember the ones that trip you up as a kid. Like I'll never forget it. You know what? But I was, um, I was in the airport yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. I was in the airport and I, I had some time. So I was just looking at all the um, outgoing flights. I was laid over in uh, Charlotte and I was looking at all the different cities and I'm like, there was, gosh, I don't know. Because there's so many, but there was probably, I don't know, 10 cities on there I didn't know. So I was just like, Siri, where is this? Siri, where is that? Just to like educate myself. But um, yeah, Carson City was not on there. So I, I didn't get, I wasn't prepared for that quiz. Well, my other favorite uh, capital that I'll never forget is Montpelier, Vermont. I don't know why I like that one so much, but that's another one that I'll never forget. That just sounds fancy. I it didn't know does. that one either. I mean, to so, be honest. So French and bougie. I love it. Yeah, Montpierre. <laughs> when Mont you say Pierre. it, there's, Mont there's Pierre, South Dakota, 
that's the capital of South Dakota, and Montpelier, 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 and I feel like Montpelier in French. That is probably accurate. That's probably accurate. But yeah, I mean, so no, I guess the, the moral of this story is, if you're representing a state, know what the capital is. That's and I would also fair. add, know the state flower, the state bird, the state flag, the state motto, your senators, your your local representatives. Anything you can Wikipedia about your state, you should or your country, you should know. Yeah, and like a, a very common question in interview is like, hey, so like if I'm new to your state, um, what would you be my tour guide? What would you suggest that I do? And I mean, as we're going to find out with Nia, if you're if you're kind of visiting there from school or you have like dual residency, like know the things to do to take that judge out on the town outside of like, I want to take you to this nice steak restaurant. Know something unique that you would take them to be the tour guide because that is a common question. I have a hilarious story that goes with that. So when I was 17, I competed in my first Miss America local and I was actually local to that area where Miss America locals sometimes are statewide or very large regions. Mm -hmm. And these contestants were between the ages of 17 and 24. And a lot of them had been competing for many years in MAO and had been doing a ton of locals just trying to get their ticket to state. And again, since I was local, I remember this girl with her on, you're from here. I'm like, yeah. She goes, like, okay, so, like, what's there? I looked it up, and there's, like, this and this and this. So she was, like, looking to get the inside scoop. And me as a 17-year-old, I had no idea what she was trying to hustle me for. But now I know. <laughs> that's actually funny. That's, yeah, Very, I can see Looking that. back, I'm like, oh, snap. Oh, okay. That's why you're anyway. asking me such inquisitive questions. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Just the way she flipped around and her hair, like, whoosh. She's like, like, create a breeze. she's like, oh my gosh, okay, I, I need to know this right now because this could potentially be asked. In an and then I didn't win Miss Congeniality, so like rude. Like you were <sighs> going to ask me for all that intel and you're not going to vote me Miss Congeniality? What? Well, let's let's just, maybe she did, but all the other girls were intimidated by you and that's why they didn't vote you in. Well, I, I ended up winning that one, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel so bad about it. But as we continue, um, as we've discussed, Nia's determination to become Miss USA was unparalleled as she dedicated multiple years of her life to competing in pageants and training for the title. And however, this determination was interpreted by some as a controversial topic we in pageant land uh, come to know as state hopping. Yeah, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term, state hopping refers to when a contestant competes for a title in one state before establishing residency in another and then continues to compete there, which uh, we actually did an article about this a while back and and maybe even a podcast, but I think it's an excellent strategy. Like, if you think about it, if you're competing in, I mean, Nia's case, like California, where there was like 130 plus contestants. Or you could jump over to Nevada, which let's just say they had 50. Think about that. Your time, it's almost three times more likely for you to win by just changing states. And like if you're trying to go for, like, let's say, uh, a Miss America state title or something like that, I mean, if you compete in Maine, I mean, I think there was like four or six girls that competed, <clears throat> like you have a one in six chance. You know, so and if you're close to New York, but then you also maybe go to school in Maine, like compete in Maine. You know, like if your if your goal is to be on the big stage, you can um, increase your likelihood by just jumping states. For sure, the odds are in your favor. Yeah, may the odds forever be in your favor. 
Mm-hmm. And another famous example of a Miss USA who competed in multiple state pageants is Olivia Jordan, who was Nia's successor. She placed as first runner-up in Miss California 2013 before winning the titles of Miss Oklahoma USA and eventually Miss USA. Yeah, I wonder if Olivia saw that. Um, I, didn't, I didn't think to ask her when we were interviewing her um, a few years back, but if she saw like Nia do it and was like, that's a great idea. Like, where, where other state can I um, compete in? That would be an interesting question. Mm-hmm. So although this is a fairly common practice, outlets began looking into Nia's employment and residency history, claiming that she lived and worked in California shortly before competing at the Nevada State Pageant. And according to Nia, she was at the time represented by AC Talent Agency, which does have offices in both Las Vegas and Los Angeles. Yeah, and as any model or actor would know, Los Angeles is the place to be for making it in the industry. So despite owning a home in Las Vegas, Nia listed herself as being based in Los Angeles in order to uh, better market herself. And when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. There are more work opportunities in LA, and if a potential client sees her as living there, they might be more inclined to hire her. And so for those of us in the entertainment or pageant industry, this doesn't seem suspicious at all. But of course, the media had to investigate. And once these claims died down, which happened pretty quickly, I think, Nia began her journey to the Miss Universe stage. And as an FYI, for those wondering, like, what is Miss Universe organization's stance on this? Like, it seems like they don't really care. And the reason being is even this year, They've allowed, I think it was actually last year, they started allowing contestants to compete in two states in the same year. And I think there was a contestant that went to Miss Teen USA that did that. She competed one weekend in state A and the next weekend in state B because she lost state A, obviously, and then she went. So they don't seem to mind. Um, and I, you're going to say something. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because somebody reported that when it when it happened. And I yeah, believe it was like Pennsylvania right. and New Jersey. Because uh, like we get, for those of you listening, Jesse obviously knows this, but when something controversial like that happens, like a lot of the times people will come directly to us like, oh my gosh, did you know? They want to spill the tea. Yeah, spill the tea. Um, and at the same time remain anonymous. But like, so we looked into the rules and I'm forgetting the the specifics around it because it was, as you said, maybe two years ago or something like that. But um, what you said happened the girl competed in two different states, two different state USA pageants, and then advanced. And we looked at the rules, and it was like, yep, it, it, it's in accordance with the rules. And I guess there was a rule change mm-hmm. um, like that year, and she was just one of the first people to both take advantage of it and win, like kind of be on our radar about it. So we, to the person who reported her, we went back to that individual and was like, yep, it's in the rules, here you go. So the rumor mill could stop in case they wanted to jump on <laughs> some of the forums and, and, and spread it. Well, of course, they don't spread the good news, right? When... <laughs> no. um, but I will say too, people that are against state hopping are usually against it because they either are someone or know someone that has risen through the ranks in their state and they, that person wants to win to represent their state. That's a passion for them. It would be such an accomplishment. Like their hometown has supported them. It's so exciting when it's like a homegrown person. So I, I can understand why people don't like it um, because you just kind of 
you come from California where it's way more competitive. You create residency in another state. Like you said, if there's four contestants, that girl maybe in the four contestants was first runner up last year. She thinks it's her time to represent her state. And then someone swoops in and takes it from her. Of course, that's frustrating. But again, if you want to watch Miss USA on TV and see the most qualified 50 people, which is what Miss Universe organization would want, I would imagine, which is why they opened this rule up, you can't blame them. Well, and I would say a negative aspect to state hopping is like, let's say, you know, uh, using Olivia Jordan, California and Oklahoma, let's say that she was going to school in Oklahoma, but was truly living in um, California. And then she won Miss Oklahoma and then just went back for the rest of her year to California. It's not really fair to the state because people can't book you for appearances and you can't get your the message out about the pageant because as a spokesmodel, you need to be there in the state or at least accessible to the state to be there to speak on behalf of the pageant and continue to promote the brand so that, that the pageant can get more contestants coming in next year. As a responsible title holder, it's your responsibility to make sure that the amount of girls that compete after you're crowned is higher than the amount of girls who competed before you crowned. That's like your paramount responsibility because Mm -hmm. as a spokesmodel, you have to promote the brand. If you're not promoting the brand, you're not doing your job. So being, um, being accessible to the state is really, is really important. So just putting that bug out there. Well, what happens if you're a state hopper and you win in a, in a system, but you go back to your home state and then you bring new contestants from your home state to your new state and you get more contestants that way? Well, that would be that would make it accessible. You know, the the likelihood yeah. of somebody living in California and I'm not I'm just using Olivia Jordan. I don't remember all the nuances, but if she hypothetically lived in California right after she won miss oklahoma then that would be unfair because the likelihood that she's going to bring contestants from california but like let's say if she lived in a neighboring state to oklahoma and was able to bring contestants in from that way that could still work too um you know it's just main it's keeping in the context of promoting that pageant so that more title holders compete the year after you were crowned and i think it's important to be said both both Nevada and Oklahoma are super competitive states year after year too. So it's not like it was a walk in the park. It's important mm-hmm. to note, I think. Oh yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. Didn't want to give that. I mean, if we're just talking about the sheer numbers of girls, yeah, there's more girls in California than Oklahoma, but you're right. I mean, any of the Southern states are all like always pretty, um, <laughs> pretty uh, competitive. So. Like smoke, smoke, Oklahoma is a nickname. I I feel like has been around for a long time. I have never heard that. That is yeah. so funny. Smoke, Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. That's smoke funny. show is always coming out of Oklahoma. Yeah, it's not inaccurate. Not inaccurate. All right. Um, okay, so back to Nia. When it came to competing for the title of Miss Universe, Nia didn't have to go very far as to. 2014 pageant was held in Miami, Florida. And with her extensive pageant resume, stunning beauty, and home field advantage, Nia was a clear front runner from the start. And going into Miss Universe, Nia embraced the saying, don't fix something that isn't broken. Now we've seen this before among successful title holders, with one example being Betty Maxwell, who wore the same evening gown at both Miss Georgia and Miss America. 
Yeah, and Nia may not have won uh, using this, wearing the same evening gown at both Miss USA and Miss Universe, but she incorporated similar styling and wore another stunning red mermaid gown. Unlike her last evening gown, this one has bands of embellishment across it that were absolutely eye-catching on stage. The judges must have agreed that Nia looked amazing because as the pageant went on, Nia was continuously called into the next phase of competition. And by the end of the pageant, Nia was holding hands with the eventual winner, Paula Vega, and her placement as first runner-up has been the USA's highest placement at Miss Universe since Olivia Coppola's win in 2012. So, you go, Nia. So, after this enormous achievement, Nia spent her reign as Miss USA, empowering women across the country through public speaking engagements and appearances. And it's been five years since she's passed on the title Miss USA, so what has Nia been up to now? Well, Nia is still heavily involved in the pageant industry as both a coach and a host. And in addition to spending countless hours helping contestants prepare for their pageants, Nia has also hosted the Miss Teen USA pageant alongside alongside Tim Tialdo. And fully embracing her love of travel, Nia has been jet-setting around the world with her husband, Daniel Bucco. And if that name rings a bell, let us assure you that not making it up, Daniel is the uh, actual professional actor who has appeared in shows such as Hannah Montana, iCarly, Entourage, and in movies like Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, and The Secret Obsession. So also like a shout out to all the, the pageant boyfriends out there. Uh, Daniel, he was very supportive of Nia while she was competing. Um, we were all hanging out um, at a pageant and he was kind of telling the story of like, because he, he was like me the, dating a girl, and that's kind of how he figured out about the industry. And he's like, oh, so we just got to get good coaches and judges. Like, oh, this is a competition. Okay, got it. And then he was like fully on board and supporting Nia. So, I mean, for the directors and coaches or whatever who tell you that, you know, boys are a distraction while you're competing, it's not, I mean, surely it can happen, but it's not always true. There's people out there like Daniel that will support you um, in your journey and towards your dreams and not be like jealous and possessive over you in the process. So find a guy like that, hold on to him. Yeah. And this power couple, they met prior to Nia winning the title of Miss Nevada USA and Daniel stayed by her side all the way to the Miss Universe stage. And they actually became engaged prior to the Miss Universe pageant and eventually wed on October 17th, 2015. So we are like three weeks away from their anniversary. So happy anniversary. So the biggest lesson we can learn from Nia is when trying to reach your pageant goals, take it from her, take it from her and never give up. And you can follow Nia on social media at real Nia Sanchez. And if you'd like to be a future contestant for our next podcast, create a contestant profile with all of your information, hidden facts, and what makes you special. Then email support at pageantplanet.com with the title podcast feature so we can review your profile. We'll let you know after you submit if you are scheduled. And thank you for listening. And if you've received any benefit from this show or from ones previous, please consider giving us a five-star review. It might seem like a small action, but it really does help us keep the show going. So until next time, Take care. Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world.